chapter 1, verse 26. And we're still talking about life principles from the Christmas story. Last week we talked about John the Baptist extensively. And we won't talk about him this morning much. I mean, we're going on to some other things. Amen. Uh, you know, a real good Christmas CD that's really, it's carnal and it's got some, you know, secular songs on it, but has, I mean, I'm telling you, it's anointed. There's some spiritual on it. It's by Jewel. And Danita told me about that last year. And I'm telling you, that is one good Christmas tape. So get the Christmas CD by Jewel and listen to that. Amen. See, you can get all sorts of hints in church. Hallelujah. But we ought to share those things with each other because I know a lot of times I don't know what to buy when it comes to, uh, to music tapes and stuff. I don't like to pay $15 for a CD or $15.99 and it be, uh, to y'all. I don't like to, so I like to know what's good. So, amen. We may start sharing some of that stuff even on the bulletin board. We said we may start putting up people's favorite books and things so we know what to buy and not spend our money on and what to and what's good out there amen look in verse 26 of chapter 1 of luke and let's read together we're gonna i'm not out loud together but y'all read with me follow along with me let me say it that way when pastor says let's read together he means let's read together but i mean follow along and in the sixth month the angel gabriel was sent from god into a city of galilee named nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was joseph of the house of david and the virgin's name was mary and the angel came in unto her and said hail thou art highly favored the lord is with thee Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the, and the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that hath believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to 
generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Actually, she stayed till John the Baptist was born and then she left and because we know she was six months when she got there, she stayed three months. She stayed till John the Baptist was born. Okay, so we want to talk about some principles from the Christmas story this morning. Uh, and just going to start kind of going down through some things. And this is more like a teaching, but you'll learn some things that will help you in your own life. The angel spoke to Mary when Elizabeth was six months pregnant. In verse 27, it says that Mary was a virgin. Now, it's essential that we believe and that we understand and what we know about the virgin birth. That is an essential part uh, of Jesus and, the, and his redemptive work that he did for us and the resurrection. It's essential that we have understanding about the virgin birth. Mary was human, and she supplied the body for Jesus. This was a union between God and woman. It was a supernatural birth. The world recognizes Jesus as a historical fact. Jesus is in the history books. They recognize him historically. They will even say that he was a great teacher. And they will even say and acknowledge that he was a great example of love. But God was, Jesus was not just a man that God used to teach and to show love. But he was 100% God and he was 100% man. Jesus was a, it was a supernatural birth. So the woman provided the body, but the man, but a man did not supply the sperm or the blood. Uh, in some Bible versions, and I don't know what versions they are, but you can check yours, but it actually uses the word maiden or damsel. You need to get a new Bible. Because this is a very important, this is, this is basic to Christianity. And that is secularism. That is the antichrist spirit that's at, that has been at work in the earth all this time, ever since Jesus came the first time. That is the antichrist spirit trying to do away with uh, the virgin birth. The, that sp the, the spirit of antichrist always wants to do away with the virgin birth. And he always wants to do away with the blood of Jesus. Bray, I think I'm just a little too hot is one reason that might be I'm having a little problem. Okay, he always wants to do it the way with the virgin birth and the devil always wants to do away with the blood of Jesus. Did you know that the blood is so important? It's not the cross that's important, folks. It's the blood. In fact, it was about 400 years after Jesus that man began to exalt the wood instead of the blood. Think about it. It was an attempt by people, by the devil. And the cross is not the important part. The cross is a symbol of the curse. When you wear a cross, you're wearing a symbol of the curse. Cursed is every man that hangeth upon the tree. It's a symbol of the curse. Oh, boy, I know it got quiet in this Presbyterian church. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. But, you know, the symbol of victory is the throne. Hallelujah. 
And what we need to be exalting is not, Jesus could have died on that cross. They could have put a noose around his neck, hung him from that cross and killed him. And it would have been nothing. It was that shed blood. Amen. It's that shed blood. It's that shed blood. And most of the church has their eyes on the, the, the wood instead of on the blood. We've got to get our eyes on the blood. The blood of Jesus is what's the powers in. The power's not in the cross. There's no power. You can put a, people put a cross around their neck. Now, some people just, I'll, I even wear crosses sometimes, but I, it's decorative. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, they came into style not too long, you know, a while ago, and it's like, it's stylish. Now, you can even buy them to hang them in your house and everything, but uh, it's decorative. But the, the power, some people actually put that cross around their neck trying to protect them. There's not any protection in the cross. There's protection in the blood. So I guess, you know, I don't know what you want to hang around your neck, but hallelujah. But the protection's not in the cross. It's in the blood. The victory's not in the cross. It's in the blood. The shame was in the cross. The curse, that's where Jesus bore the curse for us. Hallelujah, that was extra. So the world's always trying to get rid of the blood and trying to get rid of the virgin birth. But um, this was a virgin birth. Notice that the angel said to Mary, said, Hail, blessed among women. And you know her first reaction when an angel appeared to her and talked to her was fear. Why? Because it was out of the normal. It was not a normal thing that was usually happening in her life. And so that's, it was a normal reaction for her to have fear. And the angel said, don't fear, and went on with that. Mary was not sinless. This is important that we know. Mary was not sinless. Mary was an ordinary human being, just like you and I are. She is the mother of Jesus. But listen to what she said. And if you, we read there in, uh, as we, um, verse 47, she said, My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. Just like you and I needed a Savior, Mary needed a Savior. And uh, uh, she was not sinless. Catholics want to make Mary sinless. They want to say she had an immaculate conception, but she didn't. She didn't. Luke, in Luke eleven twenty seven, you don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. It says, a woman came up to Jesus one time and she said, uh, and it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. And in verse 28, Jesus turned to that woman that said that and he said, Rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it or do it. The reason Mary is blessed, the reason she's honored, the reason she's special is because she heard the word of God and did it. She received the word of God. So she's not any more special than people today or people down through the centuries. Anybody that's ever responded to the word of God and did it is blessed just like Mary is. Amen. But now it was a great honor to be the mother of Jesus. But she was a sinner. She needed a savior. Even one time her son rebuked her. Jesus rebuked her one time. Now, if she had been sinless, if she had been immaculately conceived herself, and, and, and she was actually the mother of God, as they say, Mary, mother of God, you know, if that were true, it would have been sin for Jesus to have rebuked her. But Jesus rebuked her because she was just like us, and she needed rebuking. Hallelujah. Um, hallelujah. Um, so if you want to be great in God's kingdom, this is a principle from the Word of God. Just like Mary, you've got to hear the Word and do it. 
In verse 34 of the passage we just read, when the angel appeared to Mary, she asked a question. Now, we had just read last week in, uh, in, in Luke 1 uh, where the angel talked to Zacharias. And <coughs> in verse 18, Zacharias said, uh, he asked a question. And he was coming from a completely different perspective. Zacharias said, uh, no, it was in verse 18. He says, Zacharias said, whereby shall I know this? Where, where, before I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel rebukes him and tells him it's unbelief. He, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And he says there in uh, verse 20, he said, uh, <clears throat> These things shall be performed, but because thou believest not my words... Uh, and he goes on and actually strikes him dumb. And the reason he strikes him dumb is because because he was in unbelief, had he spoken anything contrary, he could have messed up the whole plan. So he was struck dumb until the time that she actually, not when she gave birth did he get un, un, undumb. Is that a word? Undumb. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't be dumb. Be undumb. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he didn't get it, you know, they, he didn't get it until they actually named the baby, which they don't name the baby till eight days later when they circumcised the baby. So he was eight days after the birth, after, and not until he agreed. I don't know if he'd have ever got his speech back if he hadn't wrote on that tablet, said his name is John. If he'd have said, I don't know, maybe his name is John. But when he said his name is John, it's like, okay, well, you, you finally got with the program here. So we can, we can, we can undumb you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anyway, so, uh, but Mary asked a question. And uh, it was a totally different motive behind her question. And she said, uh, and she said to the angel, um, uh, Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find it here. Chapter, oh, I went over in chapter 2. No wonder I couldn't find it. Verse 34, then Mary said to the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Uh, so she had a completely different uh, motive about asking the question. Mary's question was a, just a request for more information. Actually, here she is. She's a young girl. And, you know, she's kind of, in, in a way, she's kind of saying, uh, How could this be? Because I have never known a man. And like the angel didn't know, she was kind of informing the angel that she had never known a man. And like the angel didn't already know that and everything. And so, <laughs> uh, so it was really just a request for information where Zachariah had a question in unbelief. Now, back to us and how that affects us. You know, it is good to ask questions to God in order that we can understand more. And you know, we don't ask enough questions. We shouldn't ask questions in unbelief. God is very intolerant of unbelief. But we can ask with the, we need to ask questions with a pure heart and get answers that will help us. I found out something. God doesn't answer questions we don't ask. Even if he knows we need to know. And so we need to ask him questions. An example of that is Abraham. You know, remember when Abraham, God had told Abraham, oh, you and Sarah are going to have a, a son and... And uh, you're going to have so many, uh, your progeny or your, uh, the, your family is going to be so large that it's going to be more numerous than the sands of the sea, more numerous than the stars of the sky. And so he, God had given him this promise. And then one day after some time had passed and Sarah and him became a little impatient with the promise of God, Sarah has this bright idea. She says, I'll give you my maid, Hagar. 
And so she goes to Abraham and presents that idea to him and says, how about if I give you my maid, Hagar, and we can have a son through my maid, Hagar? Because technically, it would be considered Sarah's son, even though Hagar birthed her because Sarah owned Hagar. She was a slave. And so... It was considered her son. It would have been considered Sarah's son. Anyway, this would have been a good time for Abraham to ask a question. He could have gone to God and he could have said, God, is Hagar the way that you want to give me and Sarah a son? Wouldn't that have been a wonderful question? I don't think God would have been mad for asking for more information. But you know he didn't do that. He just went ahead with the plan. He didn't ask the question. And now, and how many of you both, we all know that the world's still suffering today because of one question Abraham didn't ask. Because we are still dealing with the descendants of Ishmael. Hallelujah. And that's why we're at war right now. It's because Abraham didn't ask a question that he should have asked. We ought to ask questions. Amen. So um, and here... You know, let's move on a little bit, but something kind of on the same order. The angel gave Mary a sign. He told her, here's your sign, Mary. He didn't actually say this is a sign, but he gave her a sign. He said, uh, your cousin Elizabeth is six months pregnant. Your cousin Elizabeth, who was called barren, is six months pregnant. Now, this was part of the confirmation or part of a sign to Mary to even confirm the words that he spoke to her. Did you notice it said she made haste to get to Judah? I mean, it said she got there fast. Why, she wanted to see that confirmation. Don't we like it when God confirms something to us? Amen? You know what? God gives signs, but we are not supposed to ask for them. One of the things Mary did right was she, she didn't ask for a sign. One of the things Zechariah, if you really look at the wording of what Zechariah said in verse, in, um, uh, verse uh, 18 of chapter 1, he says, Whereby shall I know this? In other words, confer, I need a sign, Lord. How shall I know this? Well, he got one all right. He got struck dumb. <laughs> Hallelujah. But uh, God gives signs, but we're not supposed to ask for them. It is wrong. It is unbelief, just like he told the angel told Zechariah, it is unbelief to ask for a sign. We are to accept God's word. We are to believe his word. Now you say, well, I don't see how this pertains to us, but people ask for signs all the time where healing is concerned. I had one lady say to me one time, we prayed for her and we believed we received and she got excited about it. But before she got back to her seat, she told the whole church, she said... Now, I'm going to the doctor in three days, and I want him to tell me I'm healed. I knew right there she wanted a sign, and I knew. And before I thought, it came out of my mouth. You don't need the doctor to tell you you're healed. God's Word tells you you're healed. Amen. See, we ask for signs sometimes. Sometimes we won't believe we're healed. What? Until we see a sign. So we check ourselves. We look at our finger, we look at our elbow, we look at our boo-boo, and we say, are we healed? But you, that's asking for a sign. We're to believe it straight. We're to take it straight on his word, just like Mary did. And then the, the signs will follow. The Bible says signs will follow as we believe his word. Signs will follow. And sometimes they follow real fast. Sometimes they don't follow so fast, do they? Hallelujah. Um, so it's wrong. We are to accept and believe his word. Putting out fleeces as Gideon did. 
where he asked for a sign. He said, now, if, if this is true, what you're telling me, let the dew be on the whatever. I don't remember what it was on now. But anyway, that's not for a new, that's not for new Testament believers putting out fleeces. If I'm supposed to do this, Lord, just have my sister call me today. That's putting out fleeces. I like what Brother Hagin said. If you put out a fleece, you'll get fleeced. You will. You'll get in trouble. Why, why will you get fleeced if you put out a fleece? Because the, God's not the only pe- person, the only thing in the world, the only being, excuse me, not thing, being, the only being in, that can give signs. The devil can have your sister call you. She's probably more used to responding to the devil than she is to God anyway. Most people aren't used to responding to God. Now, I'm not trying to be ugly about your sister. I don't have any sisters, so I can talk all about this. But most people are not used to responding to God, are they? They wouldn't know God if, if he walked down the street with a red hat on. And so uh, they aren't used to responding to him, but they're used to responding to the devil. Why, every time he says jump, every time somebody says tornado, they jump. They're used to responding to the devil. And so the devil can give you a sign if you put out a fleece and you can get yourself in some bad decisions putting out fleeces. Amen? Why don't we put out fleeces as New Testament believers? Because we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. We have the inward witness. The Bible says as many as are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. We're not led by fleeces. Now, however, when God tells you to do something and you respond like Mary did and you say, be it done unto me according to his word, and you go start acting on it and you start following through, you'll do you guess what God will do. He'll start giving you confirmations. He'll start giving you signs because you believed his word. I know God gave us some cute, I think they were cute, they were humorous confirmations. As we made that decision to move to Alabama and we decided and we began to act on it, well, he, you know, uh, one thing that was kind of funny is uh, Pastor uh, Michael, he, we were coming from Amarillo. We had heard, we'd heard God for uh, over a year or nearly a year, not quite a year. And, uh, but we had made in, in, when we were in Tulsa, we had heard exactly the plan of how to do it, of how to move and how to move to Birmingham and so forth and, and who to tell and all. We had heard a plan. God just had laid out a plan for us. And so we were coming from Amarillo, I mean from Tulsa to Seminole and we were outside of Amarillo, Texas. And there's this big uh, uh, kind of a McDonald's that's sitting between the two, you know, two. Here's two lanes going this way and two lanes going this way. And McDonald's sits in the middle. Never saw one like that before. But anyway, right out there, it's there. And so... I don't know why, I don't know, I guess because I think maybe it was a thought catch him in the office. And so pastor said, well, I'm going to stop at this McDonald's and we're going to call, I'm going to go on the pay phone and call Pastor Webb and tell him I'm coming. And, uh, and so, you know, it's like, that kind of sounded final to me. And I'm like, you know, because you've made the decision, you believe the word, but you can still have that, this is a little scary stepping out by faith here and uh so i'm sitting in mcdonald's and the payphone's actually out in the parking lot wind's blowing 40 miles an hour as usual i'm thought i you know and so he's out in the parking lot talking on a payphone to pastor webb and i'm sitting there and over the 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 radio that they're playing in mcdonald's comes some song i don't even know y'all may can tell me what it is something about way down in birmingham down in alabama and i'm like what song does y'all know what song that is somebody know anyway there's some song i said it to pastor webb and he told me who sang it he knew it hallelujah and so this starts playing over the radio i said god you are so funny 
This is so funny that you're playing this song on an Ala, on a Amarillo, Texas radio station right at this precise moment, at this precise time. So God will give you signs, but we're not to ask for them. We're not to seek after them. Another thing, when, when we were first getting started in the move and praying and believing and kind of thought we were supposed to, but didn't have it firmed up that much yet, went to Lubbock to talk to Brock Brzee, meet to meet him. He was from Tulsa, but he was in Lubbock doing a meeting, called him at his hotel, asked him if he would meet us for a few minutes and talk to us, went to the hotel, Barcelona Courts, to uh, 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 meet him, to pick him up, and was going to take him to the Dairy Queen to drink something and just talk to him a minute. And so sat down out, and they had one of those big courtyards, sort of like Embassy Suites does. And so went to the, and sat down out in the big courtyard on kind of a rock wall, just waiting on him. Look over in the flower bed. Uh, in the flower bed, there is one of those tank, um, what do they call that? Like, mm, like a manhole cover, but, I, but of course this is in a hotel. And it says, uh, Birmingham Ironworks on it. Well, I mean, you know, what are the odds of you looking in the flower bed? You know, I mean, I'm not usually looking in flower beds and stuff. What are the odds of you sitting right there? And we, it was like, oh, God, this is funny. This is so funny. So you don't ask for signs, but God gives them to you, and he gives confirmations to you. Amen? You know, I've heard people say, well, you know, I've, I'm th- in fact, I heard somebody say this recently, not anybody from here, so don't try to rack your brain. But they were like, okay, I'm supposed to move. And they said, well, you know, one reason I know I'm supposed to move is because my mama said, you're moving, aren't you? Well, and that's not a good confirmation. (laughs) First of all, you know, mamas pick up on things in the soul realm. There is an attachment. That's why sometimes when you're in faith, when you're trying to stand in faith, you've got to separate yourself from mama a little bit sometimes. Don't do that. Don't listen to that. Don't separate. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I don't want him doing it. But you know, because I, <laughs> hallelujah. But you do it, but not him. Hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. But I mean, you know, if your mama's not a believer, you know, she'll say, what's wrong with you? Because see, even though you hadn't confessed anything, you hadn't said anything, she knows you in the soul. What's wrong with you? You know, and I'll go over there and start feeling of them. And, you know, I'm a mama too, and I'll start feeling their ears, taking their temperature, you know. <laughs> Let me see your eyes, you know. You always see it in Eric's eyes, you know. Hallelujah. You know, so, and mama, so when you've took a stand of faith, sometimes you go, I'm healed. You, gotta, you might have to be like Jesus. You might have to rebuke mama a little bit. I don't mean disrespectfully, but let her know we're not going to do this in the flesh realm, mama. We're not going to do this in the soul realm, mama. You can't go ask your mama, mama, I'm thinking about moving a thousand miles away to Birmingham because mama ain't going to like it. I don't care how spiritual she is. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so God will give you a sign. We need to believe his word and let signs or confirmations come to us. Amen. Amen. So let's talk about the birth of Jesus a little more. The birth of Jesus was completely natural in every sense except that miraculous conception. But every other part of the birth of Jesus. Mary was a virgin, but the sperm was actually God's word. I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. And it's the same way Jesus was conceived the same way you got born again. Really? Being born again, not of corruptible seed, 
but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of, in, but of not of incorruptible, let me start it, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. The word of God is incorruptible seed. Hallelujah. It is not of this world. It is incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. It is perfect seed. Now, in the Old Testament, there are many, many clear prophecies about the virgin birth. One of them is in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, I'm going to get to something here that helps our lives, so bear with me. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. So we see a prophecy in Isaiah by the prophet Isaiah, of the virgin birth. And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, we actually see a prophecy of the virgin birth, but it's kind of veiled, a little more veiled. That's very out, that's just out there, isn't it? Genesis 3, 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now this is when God is talking to the serpent after the fall in the garden and he said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. The seed of the woman there. Her seed. The seed of the woman. This is the only time in Scripture that a child is ever called the seed of a woman. Because you know the Jewish society is a patriarchal society. The man is, it's all about the man in Jewish society. And so it's always said, you know when we read in the Bible, it was it's always the seed of Abraham or the seed of uh, of Jacob. It's never the seed of Sarah. It's always the seed of Abraham. But this one time it's the seed the her seed, the seed of a woman. And this is a veiled prophecy of the virgin birth. <coughs> The angel said to Mary, when she asked how this will happen, he said, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. And she said unto the angel, she said, be it done unto me according to thy word. And at that very moment when she said, be it done unto me according to that word, at that very moment, the word entered Mary and she conceived. John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what happened is all the prophecies that had been spoken, right at that moment, the power of those words, because she believed them and she received them, those power of those words ignited on the inside of her and conceived with her seed, and she's pregnant right from that woman, with Jesus, right from that moment. So God had used his incorruptible seed and he used it, but he had used it before. Jesus, God used the incorruptible seed in creation. He spoke the word. He said, light be. That was the incorruptible seed. And you know, when he created, when God created the earth, he, he created the animals, he created the moon and the stars, he created Adam. And on the Bible says on the seventh day, he rested and you know why he rested on the seventh day is because in, when he created Adam, he turned the responsibility over to him. He said, actually it's in uh, Genesis 1.28 if you want to turn there. He said, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. 
over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In Genesis 1.28, he gives man dominion. And then he said, right there in verse chapter 2, verse 3, he, he rests. And God is still resting because man has dominion. Now, this is important. This does relate. So I'm going to get back to it in just a second. But let's follow with me just for a minute. Turn to Psalm 115. Psalm 115, verse 16. It says, The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. This is so important that you know this. The, uh, the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Look at uh, Psalm 89, verse 34. Turn back a few pages. Hallelujah. Psalm 89, 34. He says, My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. So God had made this commitment to Adam that he would have dominion and that he had dominion and he was in control of the earth. And then Adam did something really bad and he turned it over to Satan. But God said, I will not alter the thing that's gone out of my lips. Even though God would have liked to have said, Whoa! Let's don't do this. Let's stop right here. No, I nullify everything Adam just said to you, devil. He didn't do that. He couldn't because he did not alter the thing. He will not alter the thing that's gone out of his lips. That's really good for us too that we know that. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. I'm going to tie this back into the Christmas story. I didn't leave. So just keep, hang on with me. Hebrews 1 verse 3. This is important that you know this. Who being the brightness of his glory, talking about Jesus, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. Upholding all things by the word of his power. That's really important that you know that. This whole universe and everything in it are upheld by the word of his power. It's all being held together by the word of his power. And if God ever violates his word... Or if God ever violates the integrity of his word, then this whole universe is going to self-destruct. So that's why he's not ever going to violate his word. He's never going to back down on what he said. That's why he didn't back down when, when Adam committed high treason and gave, this over, uh, gave it over to the devil. Hallelujah. It's important to know that. Um, so... Because all things are held together and upheld by the power of His Word, you can hold your body together with His Word. You can hold your life together with His Word. Amen? So Adam and Eve were given this unconditional authority over the earth, and Adam was actually the God of this world. He was the God of this world. Before Adam and Eve were given dominion, God was in control, and He said, Light be. When he wanted to create something, he just said it. But when, once Adam was in control, and then, uh, then uh, he has to let man do the speaking. Now God has to let man do the speaking in order to create something. So that's why he tells his prophets. He always tells his prophets. And you know, it's, it's not just like Isaiah said it. Okay, the uh, virgin shall, ha uh, shall have a child. So Isaiah said it. But it wasn't just that. It was, it was written down in a scroll or whatever, 
And all down through the years then, it was said over and over. Every time they read it, they said it. Because the Jewish custom is to read the word out loud. Read the, uh, the Bible out loud. The parts of the Bible they read. The Old Testament. And so it's spoken over and over again. That's why God tells us that we're blessed if we read the book of Revelation. Because the intention is not just to read it silently, but that you read it out loud and then you are speaking everything that God spoke through the prophet John. Amen. And you're speaking and you are actually participating in that creating of those things that are going to happen. Now here's the thing about God. Is God doesn't cause things to happen, but He knows things are going to happen. I mean, like for instance, uh, we're going to talk about this in a minute. It took 4,000 years to get Jesus. Maybe I better stick to this, but I'll, I'll tell you that in a minute. I'll get back to this because I'm going to get ahead of myself if I don't. Okay, <coughs> um, man has to do the speaking. So now in our lives, He speaks to us believers by the Word, and He speaks to us by the still small voice, but we have to speak it out. And when the prophet comes to the church and he says, thus saith the Lord, this and this and this is going to, God's going to do this and this and this in your life. He doesn't intend for us to just, oh, that was nice and go home and never. No, he intends for you to pick up what the prophet said and you begin to say it. And you literally begin to create. Steve Sampson has said this before when he's here. God's words are creative. When God speaks to you, there's the creative power is in that word. So as you pick up and you begin to speak the word, so whatever you want in your life, if you see it in the Bible, start speaking it and you will create it. Amen. You, he hastens over his word to perform it. And some of us are just not putting out enough word for him to perform in our lives. Because he doesn't perform it unless somebody speaks it. He didn't even bring the virgin birth. He didn't even bring Jesus until somebody had spoken it. Amen? So um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it tells us that Satan is the god of this world now. And uh, we know that Jesus bought all that back for us. Um, after the fall, it took 4,000 years for Jesus to come. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says that Jesus came. Let me read it to you. Just You don't have to turn there, but let me read it to you just so I'll get it right. Um, hallelujah. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman and under the law. When the fullness of the time was come. In other words, here's what the Holy Spirit said to me was when everything was ready. It was not a set point in time. It was when everything was ready, when the fullness of time was come, when everything had been fulfilled and everything that was done that had to be done was done. God sent Jesus. It wasn't a set point in time from God's part, but yet he prophesied and told Daniel. He told him about six days. He told him about, and so he, and he literally told them exactly. We learned this when we studied on end times. He told them exactly when Jesus would come. So did he set a point in time and say, that's when it'll come? No. But not only does God, he looks down time. So he, will, he, he has to have people respond to him in order to do anything. But he can look down time and see when people are going to respond. And then he can come back and tell you, well, this is when the day will be. 
And so he told them nearly exactly, he told the Jewish people nearly exactly when Jesus was going to be born through some of the prophets. But it wasn't that he postponed it and said it's, he can't come for 4,000 years. No, it took him 4,000 years to get man, all the things that had to be said by prophets, all the things that had to be done, done. It took him 4,000 years. Jesus came at the first possible moment, but yet God knew he looked down the quarters of time because he's omnipresent. He's in the past and he's in the future. He's ever, he, he, he sees through the future and he said, okay, this is when I'll be able to get it done. So then he comes back to that now time and he said, okay, prophets, this is when it'll happen. Do y'all catch that? Can everybody see that? Okay. That's important that we note it. So why did it take so long? Why did it take 4,000 years? Number one, because God, when, when God in the garden, and this is what we've just been doing all that for, God originally spoke, light be, and things were created instantly. When God's in control, He gets things done immediately. Do y'all see what I'm saying? When God says light be, He doesn't have to wait around to see and see and, and wait a while for it to happen. It happens. But God was no longer in control. God was not working alone. He was working now with man. It would have been unjust for God to speak Jesus into existence. God had to work with men's words. And he could not find just one man who would yield to him to the degree to speak all the prophecies about the Messiah that had to be spoken. So he used Jeremiah and Zechariah and Malachi and Isaiah. And there was a bunch of them that had words. Some of them just maybe one fragment of a sentence. I know Job said in 1925, said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Even Job had a part to play. Even Balaam, the unrighteous prophet, spoke a prophetic word about Jesus. He talked about the star in the scepter. talked about the star that was going to rise in the east. See, so God's working with man to get these words out, to get them spoken. So we can come back and say, okay, how do we get the miracles that we want? God has to work with you. And that's what a lot of people don't understand and they don't get miracles is because they're looking for God to just snap his fingers. But God's not in authority and control. You are. You're the prophet of your life, Brother Copeland taught us. So he's got to find, get you to work with him. He wants to get it to you, but he's got to have you work with him. Um, <clears throat> Jesus was conceived by the word that these prophets spoke. That's the word that became flesh, those words that the prophets spoke. God, so when all the words had been spoken, and when he found the right girl and the right boy, he had to find a Mary. That's where being omnipresent comes in handy. Because you can look down through the corridors of time and see the girl that will respond. And she not only, not only that, but you know, Joseph had to cooperate. So she did, he didn't just have to find a girl, but he had to find a boy, didn't he, that would cooperate with the plan of God. Um, <clears throat> so conception is a process that God works with you. Conception is a process. Your miracle has to be conceived in your heart. You have to believe in your heart and not have any doubt. You know, the Bible says, Mark eleven twenty three, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So not only does your heart have to believe, your heart has to not doubt. He, God's working with you. And the very moment 
Let me tell you something. The very moment that you believe and don't doubt in your heart, you've conceived a miracle. You have it. You have it. It's yours. Amen. So did Jesus, everything in Jesus' birth was natural. He had nine months of gestation. He was an infant and grew. Luke 2.52 says he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Why didn't God just make Jesus full grown like he did Adam? And I, the reason for that is that everything has to be done through the authority and processes of the human race. God took a natural biological system that he had already put into place and he just substituted the word as the sperm. He followed his own natural laws that he had created. Your miracle will not come separate from faith. Your miracle won't come separate from understanding or separate from the laws that govern faith. A lot of people think if God really wanted to do it, he could. But that's not true. God works with man. Because of that lost authority in the garden, Jesus getting us back, the authority, and we, can, we have power to speak now. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. It's glorious. But, you know, there's a lot of people mad at God because if God really wanted to, he could. That's not true, and it's important you know that. So the virgin birth took 4,000 years because the prophets had to prophesy. The angel Gabriel had to announce it. Mary had to respond in faith. And one of the things it teaches us is that God does not violate His own laws. He doesn't violate the system. He works within them. And did you know that there are laws that govern people getting saved? And there are laws that govern how people get healed? And uh, there are laws that govern how people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? There are laws that, about why people prosper and why they don't. Did you know there are laws that govern why people are depressed? And when you're depressed, you're violating some spiritual laws. That's the reason you're... It's not just something that happened to you because God, the devil's bad or, or just because that's life. No, there's laws that are in operation. And you can change those things. There's, way, there's laws that we can... Things we can do to get free from depression. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If Mary had rejected the words of the angels, the birth of Jesus would not have happened. At least through her it wouldn't have happened. Amen. But she did not reject them. Now, we'll talk about, we're winding up here, how to conceive your miracle. Based on all these things that we've studied from the Christmas story, these life principles, how to conceive your miracle. First, you need to find the promise in the Word of God. You need to find the promise for what you need. Hallelujah. You can't have it if the Word doesn't promise it. It's as simple as that. I know I heard a story about this woman had a Bible school in Arlington, Texas. Only somebody in Texas would be this stupid. Nobody in Alabama would. But she decided that she was... that. It was God's will, and she was going to marry Kenneth Copeland. <laughs> there was one problem, is Kenneth's married to Gloria. This was like 30 years ago. It's got to be in the Word, folks. Her marrying Kenneth Copeland was not provided in redemption, was it? But she decided on Mark, on Mark 11, 23, those things that you desire, whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, those things apply to what's in the Word, to what's been granted us in redemption, healing, prosperity, deliverance. Amen? 
But she decided based on that scripture she was going to marry Kenneth Copeland. And in her Bible school, she got her a wedding gown. And she, they had a ceremony. And they said that Kenneth Copeland was there in spirit. And she had a wedding, and she in spirit married Kenneth Copeland. But 30 years later, nobody really remembers what happened to her, but Kenneth's still married to Gloria. Why? Because you can't, you can't do those things because it's not based on the Word. So you need to find your promise in the Word of God. Amen? For what you need. Amen? <coughs> then you meditate on this until faith comes. And you read it over and over. You say it out loud. But you, here's something you need to know. When you say or confess the word, you're not saying it for God. You're not saying, okay, if I confess this a thousand times, God will move. No, you're not saying it for God. You're saying it for you. You're not saying, you're not saying money cometh for God. You're saying money, you're, or, or I'm, my needs are met. You're not saying that for God. You're saying it for you. What are you saying? You are speaking into your life so that you can believe. You're changing your mind. You are renewing your mind. You're speaking the word to get your mind off the world system to get it onto the God system. You're speaking so that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're speaking it that your faith is built up. You're speaking it to root out your doubts. You're not trying to get God to do something that he's already done. First of all, he's already done it in Jesus on the cross. He already did it. Amen. We're completing Him. Everything we need has been done on the cross. Hallelujah. So you read it over and over. You meditate it. You say it. This is just your part where you're getting ready. You're getting in faith. You're getting ready to conceive your miracle. You're not conceiving your miracle now. You're just getting ready to. Amen. And then when your faith is in that right spot and you know it, Sometimes you don't even have to think about, is my faith in the right spot? Sometimes you'll just get so built up, it'll just pop out of you. Your faith will. But, you can, but sometimes it's not that way. Sometimes you get to the place where you go, okay, I'm ready. Bless God, I'm ready. And that's the point where you not only are now, you don't say it, you declare it. You declare it loudly. You declare it passionately. You put it in concrete. And at that point, you've conceived it. Amen? And, and, and sometimes at that point, you'll do something like tell somebody or something. Pastor will say, tell somebody. Hallelujah. Or, you know, and another good thing is to write it down. I, this day, December 5th, 2 o'clock p.m. Bless God, I believed I received my whatever. Amen? Praise God. So you've conceded. From that point on, you thank God for it. You rejoice over it. You praise Him. Oh, you just thank Him. Hallelujah. You're just at, before you're 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 mulling this over. You're brooding over it. Amen. But now you are at total rest. You're just praising Him, thanking Him. Amen. You may read the scripture. You may even speak the scripture, but it's just refreshing your faith. It's just uh, uh, so you can uh, so you can thank him more. So you can just you know it's just it's just it's just rejoicing over it. It's not the same as it was before. You're not it, it, when you confess his word, and you do not speak anything contrary after you've conceived that miracle. And if you do speak something contrary, because at the point that after you've conceived your miracle, the devil is going to put the pressure on you. 
You need to be prepared. After you've conceived the miracle, the devil's going to pressure you, pressure you, pressure you, because he's trying to get you to abort the miracle with your mouth. So if you do speak something contrary, here's what you do. You repent, first of all, and you start over. You start over. And you meditate the Word. Because see, what you find out is that the pressure got to you. And sometimes it's not such a bad thing that you messed up. You blew it. You said something. You said, oh God, I'll never get over this. This is going to kill me. You say something really terrible. I mean, you know, because the pressure was so intense. And sometimes it's not a bad thing that you did that because the pressure caused what was really in your heart that maybe you hadn't seen before to come to the surface. Now you can see it. Now you can deal with it. Because if you don't know it's there and you think you're in faith, then you're not going to have your miracle, your miracles delayed because all that doubt's got to be rooted out. Because you cannot doubt in your heart. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, uh, just repent and go back to the Word. And start brooding over that miracle again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then when, that, when, when your faith is built, you, can, you write it down. You, you declare it loudly. Amen. And you have your miracle. Pastor and I have done this many times. I'm telling you, this is how it works. It works for healing. It works for healing. And after you've believed you received your miracle, don't even think about the symptoms. I know sometimes it's like, don't think about the symptoms. It hurts. Well, just don't let yourself dwell on that. Don't let yourself dwell on that. Don't let yourself check and everything. You know, I've been healed of, of bursitis, I guess it was, that's what the doctor, in both shoulders at different times. And you know, both times I never knew when it left because I'd conceived my miracle, I'd believed I received, and it was very painful. It was so painful that every night I had to sleep on the shoulder. Thank God it didn't happen both at the same time. I had to sleep on the shoulder that was in pain just to put pressure, the pressure of laying on it would t make it go away enough for, so I could sleep. But you get tired of sleeping on one side all night, you know, just to put pressure on that shoulder. And... Uh, but I had believed I received, I had received my miracle, and I was just thanking God for it. So I just didn't think about it. I just went to bed, got on the shoulder, slept on it, and just like, thank God I'm healed. When I got up, if I got up in the night, thank God I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. And I just didn't give, let my mind dwell on it. And one day it disappeared, and I don't know when it disappeared because I wasn't thinking about it. But I like, you know, six months later I go, hmm, that shoulder hadn't hurt, and I don't know when. Don't remember when it hurt last. Amen? Because that's how you do it. Amen? And that's how you do it if you're believing for a car, if you're believing for a house. You do it the very same way. Amen? And some things like, are, you know, some things you have to, uh, you know, there's timing in it. And, you know, there's things I believe for, pastors believe for, and, and then all of a sudden, the, God will let you know when the timing shows up. I know uh, his, his motorcycle, I've told you before. One day I was praying, not thinking about the motorcycle, but he had believed for one, and I heard this sound. Vroom. And I said, wow, that thing's here. It's time now. I knew it was time. But then, you know, I just 
you know, we didn't do anything about it, but I knew it was time. One time, the Lord had told me to believe him for a new car. He told me to. And I believed him, and two or three years had passed because he told me to believe him for a certain kind of car. And one day I was praying, and all of a sudden, in prayer, I just had this new car smell come over me. Woo, I said, hallelujah. You know that new car don't... You, you can go out there and get in the flesh just by smelling that stuff. <laughs> you can go look at cars and get in the flesh because you smell it, and that smell is... It is powerful. It'll draw you right in on that dotted line and signing that, signing that lease that you don't want her. Hallelujah. But I like it when God plans it all. And he initiates it. And he says, time to blame me for a new car. And, and then, oh, I smelt that new car. And I say, wow, it's here. Amen. And you can conceive miracles. I know I heard Andrew Womack say, sometimes you've got to meditate on things. That he, he was like, well, I need a deck on my house. But sometimes you don't even really know. And so he said he would go and sit in his backyard. And he'd sit in a lawn chair and look at the back of the house and just... And just meditate and just visualize and just imagine and dream until that thing, until he could just see it. He knew ever, and he has like this, he said, a multi-level deck. You know, he lives in some of the mountains of Colorado. He has this multi-level, real fancy deck, but he just sat there and dreamed it until he saw every part of it. Until he saw it. And how many of us go get the hammer and nail first and a piece of wood and we just start... And I'm not even speaking in a natural sense, but how many of us get started too quick without meditating on that miracle? And Amen. And, and, and you know, Dodie Osteen said she's believing for healing. You know, the doctors gave her six weeks to live. She was bad sick with cancer. She got out a picture of herself in her wedding dress. And, and you know, she just had to focus her mind on that. Because she, she said that was a time when she felt really good. She found a picture of when she felt really good, was really healthy. And uh, she found a picture of herself riding a horse. And she just, she just meditated on that, conceiving that miracle. Amen. And then, you know, she was, she, and then she just got up because she'd conceived that miracle and she was still so sick, so felt so bad. And of course, she was a pastor's wife. She started visiting the sick in their church, forgetting about herself, forgetting about it because she's conceived the miracle. Amen. And one day she came in and Brother John and her came in from church and she is still so sick. And uh, he threw his Bible down on the, bed and then in a little while he kind of heard rustling or something like bible pages rustling and he went in the bedroom and the bible's open to the certain scripture about you know i think something to do with your health her health her health and you know man i tell you get that get that confirmation the angels are working in your house and hallelujah so she's still alive and he went on to be with the lord <laughs> hallelujah she's still in there you know praise god Thank you, Jesus. Glory. You can conceive that miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Are y'all ready? Amen. Let's stand up together.